The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold, and you, you sound like the Crypt Keeper's, like, British cousin. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Larry, the other uh, Crypt Keeper. The Larry Keeper. Yeah. Um, I, I have... Listen. Uh, I don't care. It's my version of the Crypt Keeper, okay? This is, what I, this is how I do it. Uh, hello, hello, friends. Your old pal, the Crypt Keeper here. Like, he's, he's Whitney's like more, more accurate a, than I am. More of a, a... I have my own take. A squeaky... Like Look, a t- you're doing the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. I'm doing my take on the Crypt Keeper, which is a different... Like, if I were the Crypt Keeper, that's how I would do it. Okay. So it's a little... Anyway, this is Cancel Too Soon. This is our <laughs> show where we review uh, TV shows that lasted only one season or less. And every October, we like to focus on some of the many, 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 many failed horror TV shows and pilots uh, that are just littered throughout television yeah. history. Um, by the way, before we get any further, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, I think you said that already. No, I didn't. All right. my name Maybe is... I did. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, then. I'm, I'm still Whitney Seibold. Okay. Um, and, and uh and yeah so we're 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 kicking it off a little late we, uh, you you notice what are some uh, I know American horror story is uh, like the big horror series that's lasted many many seasons very long time it's like 10 years uh, now tales yeah. from the crypt true blood walking mm. dead there have been some big hits twilight zone usually is a horror mm. series sometimes it's not but usually it is yeah uh, outer limits Alfred Hitchcock presents uh, is we, in there as well somewhere we've covered a lot of horror shows but mm. in, in terms of uh horror shows they there, there. It's it's not a in, as common a genre as many of the other kinds of shows we've covered on Council Two. No, like at any given time, you'll find a ton of sitcoms about suburban families, a ton mm. of detective shows, a ton of doctor shows, a ton of lawyer shows. But for whatever reason, lately it's a bit more of an aberration because we have a lot more streaming networks, a lot more uh, uh, cable networks that have discovered that horror is less of a niche than it used to be and is mm. actually. Uh, uh, has a pretty broad audience, but for many, many years throughout a lot of film, uh, a lot of TV history, sorry, uh, there was really only room for like a couple of big horror shows at a time. Most networks didn't want to commit to doing a lot of horror. Um, sometimes it's had to do just simply with, you know, the fact that they were selling their shows to advertisers. And a lot of advertisers were interested in wholesome family mm-hmm. shit. They didn't necessarily want to be marketed to the horrifying monster of the week, by the way, by dentine gum. Like, maybe <laughs> they don't really go together. Well, if it's a vampire show. Okay, fine. Touche. Um, D- D- dentine's selling point was that it, it freshens your breath and whitens your teeth as you chew. <laughs> okay, maybe that, that was the selling point of that gum. Maybe that wasn't the best example I could have picked, but I digress. Uh, no, it, was, it was an excellent, excellent example. Uh, fine. Jeez. Mm-hmm. God. Really just 
going after me today. I feel so attacked. No, I'm, I'm not contradicting you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's late and we've got the sillies. Uh, yeah. But in any case, uh, Scarytober is the event where we focus on failed horror TV shows of one kind or another. And we always like to discover, because there's some that everyone knows, but we always like to discover a few that nobody knew existed, including mm. us. And this year we've got at least one of those, and it's this one. This is a show I had no idea this was a thing. It was a failed pilot from Alfred Hitchcock's production company starring Leslie Nielsen as an expert in the occult who is solving serial killer murders. In the 19th century. In the 19th century (laughs) in San Francisco. The show is called Dark Intruder. I have the power to abandon this body and enter yours. This is my fiance, Miss Evelyn Lang, and this. And Mr. Kingsford. Why are you not dead? Did he have a knife? <laughs> no knife did that. He had claws. No. Well, more accurately, the show was originally going to be called The Black Cloak. I suspect this episode was called Dark Intruder. But and what they, happened they were, was... They, when, uh, yeah, the, it yeah. Was one of those failed pilots that was turned into a movie. And this is actually a theatrically released movie. Mm-hmm. It's only an hour long. It's a very, very short film. But it was released theatrically. It is one of only two theatrically released films released by Shamley Productions. S-H-A-M-L-E-Y, which is Alfred Hitchcock's TV production company. Do you know what the other theatrical release film from Shamley Productions was? I'm, I'm guessing Psycho. It was Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Only two. It was Psycho and Dark Intruder. They they share an interesting bond. One of the most important movies ever made. And Dark Intruder. And Dark Intruder. This hour-long oddity yeah. that nobody's ever heard of and yeah. is difficult to find. Yeah. Yeah. We actually we actually had some, a real uh, a real trick tracking it down, but I'm glad we were able to because it's very, very interesting. It, it is online. Mm-hmm. That's all we're going to say. You can find it if you know where to look. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, this was part of a, um, an interesting sort of renaissance of horror-themed shows in the mid-1960s, thanks to uh, Twilight Zone had already been around for a while, but The Outer Limits... Uh, the Adams Family and the Munsters were all like debuting around the exact same time, and this was going to be like part of that. And then, eh, networks just weren't that interested, and then they just didn't go with it. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This this predates Kolchak. Uh, Kolchak, we often quite, by quite call, a few years. We call, well, Kolchak was like the 70s. This is 65, mm-hmm. and um, Kolchak is often credited by not by TV historians mm-hmm. who who would probably know a little bit better, but mm-hmm by general pop culture consensus as one of the first supernatural detective programs. Yeah, where every week someone uh, investigates something in the supernatural and usually... Like a, a real-world cop yeah. has to use real-world detective techniques to Stop vampires, yeah, werewolves, the, the ghosts. And uh, usually the idea is all of these things are uh, hmm. always uh, prevented from uh, going public. Yeah. It's not like the whole world finds out that ghosts are real. It's always a thing. Um... So, uh, so this stars Leslie Nielsen. He plays a rich uh, uh, asshole, basically. He basically plays he's, Bruce he's, Wayne at his dandiest. He's, um, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, everyone thinks he's just like a drunken guy who like just likes hanging out and parties. He's he's a, a playboy and a ladies' man. All, all those yeah. words. But he's also a an expert in the occult. And as we discover very early on in this show, he is routinely uh, uh, approached 
by the San Francisco Police Department to help them solve their weirdest cases. Mm. And the case in question this time is a series of murders. Very, uh, very Jack the Ripper-ish. Yeah, um, which is interesting because it's around the time of the Jack the Ripper killings. They mm. actually talk about how, yeah, they got Jack the Ripper over there in England. And now we got this guy who seems to be more prolific. Mm. Um, and uh, it's a bunch of brutal slayings. And I I totally 100% expected this to be like a England. Jack the Ripper clone. Yeah, like, like Jack, the, Jack Ripper, the Ripper is now in San Francisco, yeah. or there's like two of him operating simultaneously, or there's or Jack the Ripper is a connection. ghost that has infected someone else yeah. that's been done a million times. That, that, was, um, a, that was a Star Trek episode. For it, was. it was a fucking Star Trek episode where Jack the Ripper was the villain. The actual Jack <laughs> the Ripper was a was like an alien entity that infected people and killed, and oh. then it infected people on the Enterprise, and then it affected the actual Enterprise and got into the computer. That's a stupid episode. And, of and the only and the way to the way they beat it was by getting high. Basically, yeah. That that was the plot of the episode. Everyone had to take happy drugs. Yeah, it's like here. Well, I think it was that episode where Sulu's like, "Oh no, I'm afraid. I'm a. Oh, I'm good." <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, so yeah, so Leslie Nielsen is brought on board. Leslie Nielsen is to most people, uh, famous for the last like twenty years of his career. Where he, he was a comedian. Yeah. Uh, the the majority of his career, he was just a hardworking character actor who did a lot of stuff. He was uh, the star of Forbidden Planet, one of the best mm-hmm. sci-fi movies ever made. Uh, he would pop up in movies all over the damn place. Uh, he was in... Did you ever see that uh, Mel Gibson movie, Ransom? No, oh, yeah. It's a Ron Howard yeah. film. Uh, he was in the original version of that. That was a remake of a TV movie. I think it was a TV movie. It was a remake of a movie from 1956. Mm. And uh, he played a reporter in that one. Uh, oh, yeah. so, it's actually really good. Came out the same year as Forbidden Planet. Good year for Leslie Nielsen. Uh, he was in Tammy and the Bachelor, which was a really, really big hit. Um, but then, yeah, after... He, he, played, he was, actually yeah. had a career of playing, like, toughs and heavies. Yeah, he was He often, rarely played light roles. This is actually yeah. incredibly light for him for he, 1965. He was cast dramatically against type when he was in Airplane, mm. and that was part of the joke, is Lizzie Nielsen's playing someone very silly. He's, he's a, a serious character who mm. gets to do silly things. Turns out he has an amazing sense of humor, mm. and after Airplane... It took a bit, but after Airplane, his career started turning around, and he started doing more and more well, was, broad comedies. Airplane led directly into Police Squad. Which led to the squad, Naked Gun. Which led to the Naked Gun. There was a huge boom of slaps comedies which he was a big part of is yeah. in the late 80s and early 90s yeah and so he was in stuff like spy hard and, and wrongfully accused dracula dead and loving it and some of those movies are great some of them are not you know who's always great in them leslie nielsen yeah. and leslie nielsen uh when he was doing press for these things got to reveal his true colors mm. i imagine when you know he's he's a young for the bulk of his career he's playing these heavies and ser- more serious roles um if you know him for The Naked Gun, walk, go back and watch the movie Nuts with Barbara Streisand and you will mm. be shocked <laughs> at the horrendous crimes he commits in the, the, yeah. the movie. Um, but when he was on the, the press tour for all of these comedy films, he got to be funny. He got to yeah. be sort of like laid back. He carried, evidently, and according to him, he had a little uh, miniature spongy whoopee cushion mm. he carried in his hand everywhere he went. What? And every Leslie. time we went, and every time we went to shake someone's hand, pfft, oh, <laughs> excuse me. Was this his whole career, or just later on when he was the? Funny he implied guy? it was his whole career. I, I like don't to, believe him. I'm imagining him on the set of the Poseidon Adventure when he's yeah. doing the Poseidon Adventure, and Gene Hackman's like, "All right, everybody, we got to get on the." Pfft. Leslie, Gene, was that you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he who smelt it dealt it, Gene. <laughs> um. Anyway. 
So this is Leslie Nielsen, but this is Leslie Nielsen in straight man mode. And he's mm. very handsome and he's very, uh, he captivates the screen. He's very mm. good here. This is as good as, because this is around the same era. It's a couple of years beforehand. We would start to see the sort of um, dashing adventurer pilots uh, for shows like The Green Hornet and mm. Batman. And again, Adam West as Bruce Wayne it, and who occasionally turns into this uh, protector of the night. Leslie Nielsen's doing that too, except he's not being funny. He's just oh, doing well, it in the 1890s, and he's normally a rich guy no one thinks anything of, and then he goes off and he fights fucking demons. Well, Bruce Wayne, the the character as written and as we know him today, was a bit more of a playboy. On yeah. that Batman show, he's incredibly straight-laced. In Dark Intruder, Leslie Nielsen actually is a very energetic character. He gets to, yeah. like, joke around, and uh, there's a sequence early on where he has to uh, sneak into the police station, and he sneaks in in disguise just to sort of prank the police chief. Yeah, he goes up to the, he goes up to the front desk and says, and he's pretending to be someone else. He's like, ah, uh, yes, I like to speak to the police chief. Yeah, he, and, like he puts on an accent. Yeah, and and, uh, and the guy's like, well, we don't knew him like does anyone speak to the police chief? He'll want to speak to me. Why? Well, it's about a dancing girl, hmm. and he'll really want to speak to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, all right, well, geez, I guess he's hmm. sleeping with someone else besides his wife and needs to pay off a bribe. And the police chief's like, will you stop that? I have a <laughs> reputation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. He also has an interesting, like, home environment. His library is full of, obviously, you know... Demonology Demonology paraphernalia. But, like, he also has a mandrake plant that, like, bristles when something supernatural is happening, and he talks to it. Yeah, it's like, it's a sentient... I got the idea that it was a sentient plant. Which is a cute gag. Mm -hmm. I guess it would have come back over and over again. Um, Real fast, a couple of uh, 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 tech notes here. Uh, This... Show was written by Barry Linden, not Barry Linden, B A R R E with an with a with a accent, accent over it. Uh, and uh, they had a really cool career. Uh, they wrote The War of the Worlds, the 1953 movie, which is kind of a big fucking deal. Uh, they wrote The House of 92nd Street. They wrote Hanover Square. Uh, they wrote that 1944 remake of The Lodger. Uh, they wrote what really is an incredible title. Uh, a a play that was turned into two different movies called The Amazing Dr. Clitterhouse. <laughs> uh, which was, oh god, I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah, and uh, the, that's an unfortunate name. Th- the first movie uh, was a bad scientist movie starring Edward G. Robinson and Humphrey Bogart with a screenplay co-written by John Huston. Claire Jeez. Trevor is in that as well, and I'm thinking to myself, how in the fuck have I not seen this? Because that sounds great. Um, but in any case, so a long, long career for Beret Linden. And uh, it was written, I'm sorry, it was directed uh, by Harvey Hart. And Harvey Hart uh, should be familiar to you because he actually directed another failed pilot we covered very recently, Maserati and the Brain. Oh, it was the same director. Yeah, and he did a lot you know, of other stuff as that well. That makes a lot of sense because they have the same kind of light detective tone, don't they? Yeah, no, totally. I liked totally Maserati in the Brain. I thought that was actually pretty good. It was fun. He also mm-hmm. did a few episodes of The Star Lost, which we've covered as well. He did that weird movie, The Picks, from 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, just interesting, weird career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, again, so there's a series of slayings going about in uh, uh, 1890 in San Francisco, uh, and uh, they might have something to do with. Uh, Leslie Nielsen's best friend who is engaged to be married this weekend to a very charming socialite uh, who is really 
it's so it's so easy to write a character like a like a bubbly effervescent socialite and have them be like annoying mm. but i actually think that the screenplay but mostly judy meredith's performance uh really keeps her um, very very enjo- like you really want her to succeed and everything to turn out well for her yeah she's uh, actually like a really sensible reasonable person whose like priorities she, are different because she's getting married who can blame her her priorities are different and she doesn't necessarily mesh well with uh the, the leslie nielsen character the leslie nielsen character is named brett kingsford yeah and she doesn't get along with brett kingsford I'm not sure if this was something with the transfer or with the file I saw, but mm. her audio was mm. weird in this. She sounded yeah. like her lines had been dubbed. This is not a show that has been well taken care of. Mm. And uh, the version we saw, at least uh, uh, we've, we've watched worse. Oh, we've yeah. watched shows that were like just absolutely almost mm. un- difficult to make out. But we, you know, the only way they exist. Mm. Um, this col- just collector's looks- item was yeah. like. Oh yeah, really low quality. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we needs saw to it. clean That's, that up. That was yeah. a really, really good. Show. The Collector's <clears throat> Item was a failed pilot starring Vincent Price and Peter Lorre as antique dealers who were finding like cursed artifacts. And oh god, that should have been a show. <laughs> should have been a show. That would have been an amazing show. Just oh. te- teaming up Vincent Price and Peter Lorre alone as the heroes. Mm-hmm. They were the as heroes. The protagonists of the show. Oh my god, I loved that show. Anyway, um, it was only a pilot, but it was really good. If you can track it down, I recommend it. Um. So, yeah, this hasn't been taken well care of. But anyway, um, so there's a bunch of serial killings, and at every killing, they find a, a demonic statue or it's totem. A, it's a gargoyle, yeah. It's a gargoyle. And each one is a little different than the last one. Yeah, each one, it, it's like they, they're mutating hmm. in a strange way. Um, he takes these gargoyles to uh, the expert... Uh, 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 an the, old the man, professor, the Bagul expert. Yeah, an, an old man, uh, a Chinese gentleman named Chi Zhang, played by Peter Bracco. And, and, he, and he has the, and he's got the the Asian he's in a makeup, lot of makeup and, and the pointy fingernails, and it's pretty damn offensive. Uh, Peter Bracco has a really long career. Yeah, he, he, um, he was in Spartacus and Wolf of the Cuckoo's Nest yeah. and the War of the Roses. It's 1965. This kind of racist makeup was uh, was the, still in use. It was and, the norm. Uh, it was James the norm. Bond did this, for goodness sake. Yeah. And I'm surprised people still rate that film as highly as they do. Yeah. There's, it's from it's, You Only Live Twice, that one. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You Only Live Twice is repulsive and it's, it's, it's the way it so handles that. It's so racist. Uh, but... Uh, <clears throat> So listen, we 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 can't give that a pass. It's in very very poor taste. But um, what is interesting, though, and I will say this, is uh, just how far into horror it goes for a TV pilot from the sixties. Because first off, it's weird to see Leslie Nielsen talking about gods that Lovecraft made up. He specifically talks about Dagon for a minute there, and I'm like, whoa, that's probably wasn't referenced a lot on television. Well, HP Lovecraft, um, before he sort of became sort of a, a geek go-to touchstone for, mm. for horror, was um, well known among the people who enjoy pulp genre stuff, like pulp sci-fi and pulp yeah. horror he, novels. His, his work was very influential on authors who were infinitely more popular than H.P. Lovecraft yeah. was, in particular Robert Block, but a lot of other people as well. Um, so his little references to... Lovecraft stories, and particularly love the mythology that Lovecraft created around his horror stories. By the way, Lovecraft also virulently racist. Oh, um, God. way, way more so than this. Yes, uh, but <laughs> don't, don't look up the name of his cat. Oh God, uh, but um, but his work is very influential, and he did invent a lot of the things that a lot of uh, pulp storytellers still use today, or at the very least, help popularize them. 
Um, and uh, yeah, he created a whole mythology around which a lot of his horror stories take place. And in the years that passed after his death, a lot of horror storytellers decided to, for fun, mm. connect their own stories to that mythology. And it just sort of took on a life of its own. And now a lot of things that Lovecraft created are common knowledge and things that have nothing to do with him. Like, for example... The Necronomicon, which is the mm. focus, focal point of the Evil Dead movies, that's a, which are not based on Lovecraft. That's it's just Love, a thing. Lovecraft did, yeah. yeah uh, uh, the Ghostbusters animated series would reference Lovecraft a lot. Um, so it's just became this little seed that grew into a different thing. But uh, we have some, reference, some of that in Dark Intruder. There's this weird little bit where Leslie Nielsen is holding... This really wicked looking, like little demonic the gargoyle totem. statue. Yeah, yeah, it's a little gargoyle statue. It's like this horrible, like open mouth and everything like that. And it's like, this doesn't feel like stone. It feels warm in my hand. It's like, yeah, that's because it's a real fucking demon. It's been mummified and uh, <laughs> it could come back if you hold it. Don't hold it too much, actually. I don't trust you. Okay, I'm putting that down. <laughs> like, mm. it's really cre- like we- real supernatural weird stuff. This isn't stuff that's all yeah. going to be debunked by the end of the story, which is cool. It's very cool. Mm. Um, the uh, the prime suspect uh, and also the best friend character is uh, his friend Robert, mm-hmm. who's played by an actor named Peter Mark Richmond, who is also on Star Trek. He was on Next Generation. Oh, who did play um, Next Generation? Uh, he there's we're going to come up to an episode. I think it's in the first season where um, <clears throat> they unfreeze some 20th century people who have been fried, cried, oh, yeah. frozen, and he I've was like a, I think he was like a stockbroker in the present, and okay. he was upset that they don't use money anymore in the future yeah he's like oh i put i put all my stuff all my savings accounts to make me worth billions and billions of dollars by now it's like yeah we don't have money anymore well fuck well (laughs) well, how am i gonna be a rich man well you have what you want you don't need money anymore all your needs are taken care of i don't want my needs taken care of i want to acquire (laughs) Uh, he's gonna uh yeah and 20 years after this would go on to be in mm-hmm. next generation. Uh, he also played uh, like the, like the skeezy teacher in Friday the 13th part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the MST three K uh, movie agent for harm. H A R M. Yeah. Um, so another, another long lustrous <clears throat> period. He was, he was, You'd he was, recognize his face. Yeah. Uh, he, he actually only passed away just this year. Oh, uh, but he was, he was still heard. acting until 2016. Well, good, good for, for him. him. Yeah, yeah nice really long good for career. Him. Yeah, yeah. Like he lived. He but, was like uh, ninety three when he passed away. Like really impressive. He he's suspected, and he cannot prove that he didn't do it because he's been falling into these weird trances, and uh, where he may in fact be committing these murders and not remembering them. He might be yeah. like under some kind of spell. Uh, so it's up to Leslie Nielsen to uh, clear his friend's name or find out the truth if he is actually under some kind of spell. Yeah. Um. The plot reminds me of Malignant. <laughs> yeah, it actually. I was watching this and I was like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" If you saw the movie, if you saw the movie, first of all, see the movie Malignant because it's yeah. wild. Uh, yeah, but uh, so Malignant has some twists and turns. We're not going to ruin the movie Malignant because even if you know what happens in Malignant, and if you're paying attention, you'll be ahead of the story in about 15 minutes. Will you? It's kind of weird. I think uh, you'll understand where it's going. You will not see how it gets there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the way it gets there is the treat in Malignant. If you can be surprised. Cool. Malignant doesn't care if you're surprised by the plot point. They want you to be surprised by how the plot point manifests. Mm. And boy, howdy was I. I knew it was coming. I did not think it was going to happen like that. Thank you, Malignant. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) 
Uh, but uh, but in any case, uh, so this is going to be a story of someone who they're losing time. People are dying around them. They're the prime suspect. Yeah, it's a lot like Malignant. And, uh, and uh, Leslie Nielsen figures out actually he uses like. Uh, T- like dates and timing to figure out when the next one's going to be. Like they're yeah. not happening at regular intervals. They're, they're happening. They're happening there is a the, pattern to the. Well, intervals. it's like there's there's a there's a certain amount of numerology, and this is something that's also in a lot of uh, you know sort of demonology. They had study of numbers is going to be in there as well. Or, uh, uh, but uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. But it's like okay, so the first murder happened 108 days before the second murder. Mm. And then the next murder happened 54 mm. days before that. Mm. or And then the next murder happened 27 days before that. And yeah, so on so. and so forth. So they're ramping up. They're like getting exponentially faster. And so we had a murder last week. That means we're going to have a murder today. And that means we're going to have a murder tomorrow. Mm. And tomorrow, the job will be done. And the whatever horrible demonic right has been uh this has all been part of will be complete and we have to make sure that whichever demon is behind this doesn't get to do whatever the fuck they want um they end up visiting a mysterious um a mysterious psychic who is visiting from a faraway land uh who is all shrouded in mystery and can like read everyone's minds oh, and is super yeah. creepy dr malachi played by <laughs> Werner klemperer uh who not not a lot of things that I've seen. He was in Judgment of Nuremberg. Mm. Uh, he was on Hogan's Heroes sometimes. Uh, he, he had a long, long career, but I don't know if he's in anything. He's, that a, he's a German actor, and he was like yeah. a, a go-to. What am I He was Colonel Clink. He was Colonel Clink. He was literally yeah. Colonel Clink. What am I thinking of? Of course, he was. He was famous. Yeah, he was Colonel Clink. Um, but um, what, when was Hogan's Heroes? What are the dates on that? Like sixty-five, seventy-one. So, was, so he was already. Yeah. He, he was a gat. Like he was actually like you know already doing rather well for himself. Um, and, uh, so yes, so that sort of solidifies, you know, the spookiness of everything going on. Uh, and Leslie Nielsen has to, uh, oh, there's a fun bit where like, um, the, the demon, the creature, the serial killer, uh, is covering their tracks and they're killing people who like had medical records that had to do with this Leslie is a, Nielsen's This friend. is a whodunit, by the way. We don't yeah. get to see the killer's face until no, the not, end. Not for a while, no. Yeah. And, uh, so like, so they're killing a doctor who had like, uh, a lot of files on Leslie Nielsen's best friend, Robert. Um, and uh, there's a great bit where Leslie Nielsen and the main cop are in are at the crime scene and they're discussing the crime. And they think, okay well, okay, well, some of these files are missing. So clearly there's something in Robert's past that this villain, whether it's Robert or not, wants to obstruct and wants to hide. And then they start realizing that, wait a minute, where did the f- killer go? And that's when they realize he's been in the room with them the whole time. <laughs> and he, like, flees out a window. That's actually really creepy. Uh-huh, I, I was uh-huh. actually really down for that. It was a really cool plot there, point. There's some good scary bits. Uh, Layla yeah. Schifrin did the music. And the music's really scary. Yeah. Um, the there's a Layla Schifrin did the Mission Impossible theme. Yeah. One of the great composers of the mid-20th century. Uh, there's a, a really fun fight sequence around this time. Uh, with Leslie Nielsen, mm. like this sort of nighttime fight that looks mm. like this really impressively sort of staged. Yeah, there's a there's there's a whole there's lot a of lot chasing of around and like it's stuff going on in the and, shadows, and like yeah. those little gargoyle statues. I, mm. when, when it looks a little bit scary, it helps, and yeah. I think they design those monsters really well. Yeah, um, there's a lot of li- like little spooky things that help bolster the entire uh, the entire pilot. There's a really nice sense of atmosphere to it, yeah, and because yeah, yeah. and and honestly, the plot is not bad. The plot, I mean, nowadays a few things have come out that are more famous and are kind of similar, but... But we're comparing again, it to a movie that came out this year. Yeah, and the film that took a lot of people by surprise and people thought were really cool. This came out 
almost 60 years ago. Mm. Awesome. Well done. Indeed. Um, it, uh, it turns out that uh, they think Robert may have done it. They think Robert might have been the killer. But in actuality, uh, the killer, and was obviously we're going to tell you what it is because that's canceled too soon. It's a film show from 1965 <laughs> you may never get a chance to see. So we'll give you the gist. Uh. Um, the killer is actually Professor Malachi. And Professor Malachi was a conjoined twin of Robert who was removed when he was on an international travel when he was a child. And, and has re- lived... The re- reveal, revealed that they had... Like, yeah. the, the, the scars where they had been separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Malachi is... Uh, has, a, has a monstrous visage and has resented his brother ever since uh, he was born. And this has all been part of a plan to perform this evil rite to gradually take over Robert's body. Robert hasn't mm. been committing any of these murders, but his brain will be taken over by the brain of his evil brother. Yeah, kind of like, very, that's why he's going into these trances. Yeah. His mind is being gradually, slowly yeah. like invaded by through these murderous rites by his conjoined twin. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, and so they, they kill Dr. Malachi, or Professor Malachi, but then it turns out the transformation, the, the, the transference had already taken place. And now Robert is just good old fashioned evil mm. and he's getting married and he's about to kill his fiance. And then they have to kill the body of Robert because there's no going back from this. This isn't going to have a happy ending. And there's a really fun bit where at the end, Leslie Nielsen, they've killed b- both. The brothers are dead now. Yeah. The, the day is saved, but at and what uh, cost? And, and, and then there's that uh, uh, fade like Wolfman mm. effect. Yeah. Where we get to see like what the monstrous face looks like. Yeah. Which I'm glad we saw it. Really puts a button on it. Yeah, felt makes it feel very like outer limitsy. Yeah, um, and uh, at this point, Leslie Nielsen bemoans uh, something that's honestly the sort of thing that I wouldn't necessarily think of very much today. But for those who are religious or for those of the day, it would be a big deal. He talks about how so the body that housed the soul of uh, of an innocent man is now like lying in like Potter's field in an unmarked grave. Uh-huh. And the, uh, the person who gets a, a quote unquote Christian burial is the monster. And yeah, there's something like, perverse about that. Yeah. At which point Leslie Nielsen's Butler, Nicola played by uh, a little person named Charles Bolender, who wasn't in a lot. He did, he did a fair amount of TV. He's great in this. He's very good. Yeah. I would love to have seen him in more stuff. He would have been like, great. He, he would have been he, great he in this regular gonna, series. He's going to be a regular on the show. Yeah, he, yeah. he was good. He has a lot of he has a lot of charisma. He's very funny. Um, but he he comes up to him and says, uh, "Yeah, don't worry, boss. I'll get a shovel. I'll fix it." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's really kind of dark. Yeah, but it's also kind of heroic in a way. Yeah. And then it ends with. Leslie Nielsen cracking wise at his Mandrake plant, who, who yeah, apparently yeah. S- bristled something very clever yeah. uh, and very, very persnickety. Uh, and that is Dark Intruder. Yeah. Um, if Dark Intruder had lasted 100 episodes, good. Uh, yeah. There's a million things they could have done with this. I think they're trying a little hard to make it seem like Leslie Nielsen is like secretly an occult expert. I don't think they do a very good job of explaining why he needs to. Yeah, Is well, because I feel like that's something they need to address. If you're going to pretend not to be an occult expert, there needs to be a good reason not to. Like, 
so that so was, that I'm not take, being hunted uh, down by the evil or whatever. We, or could, we could take for yeah. granted that this was just sort of a, a fringe interest. Yeah. A in 1965 and also in 1890. This isn't something yeah. that you know is just a common thing. But at the same time, 1890 in the turn of the century, there was this big rise in uh, what we call spiritualism, mm. where there were people, and this is in polite society where there were a lot the, of people. The rich who were people in, would like have yeah. seances and yeah. stuff. This was something that was actually a very very common part of society. It was a very lucrative part of society, and it wasn't necessarily something that was mm. frowned. I mean, some people would, but it wasn't yeah. necessarily something that was frowned upon. And in fact, he probably would have been very popular in his wealthy social circles if he was a well-known, you know, spiritualist, uh, spirit medium, cult expert. Um, it probably wouldn't have been a problem. Mm. So it's something that maybe looking back, we want to like impress upon. But mm. at the time, it actually might not have been a deal, a big deal. Maybe um, not. But I, I just think I just think they're putting a hat on a hat. I think the idea of having him like having to constantly dress up and in disguise in order to go to crime scenes and things is mm. more work than it needs to yeah, be. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess it could be, just be so much simpler. Maybe that's one of those things they would have worked out of the pilot. I think like I, yeah, just, for, uh, the if, address is like okay. I just have to avoid the police because they don't like me. That's all you need to that's say. That's enough. Yeah. You know, and like, and I don't want to like throw it in people's faces or something that I'm in the occult, so I don't talk about it too much. But yeah, the idea that he needs to be like in secret about it. Little unnecessary, uh, but yeah, every day the police come to him. Every week the police come to him with a new supernatural mystery. Bring in all of the wonderful genre storytellers. Get the get Robert Block in to do a few. Mm. He'd love it, you know. Like get it to you know people from writing Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and Star Trek, and have them go nuts. Mm-hmm. I would like to see this show. <laughs> this show was definitely canceled too soon. It's not amazing. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it's got a lot of promise. Leslie Nielsen's really good in it. My one thought, and I talked myself out of it, mm. was what if Dark Intruder was so popular that Leslie Nielsen didn't need to do Airplane? <gasps> oh but, my gosh. Well, my I mean, thought, but my thought is this. It uh, probably would have gone on for a few seasons and then been canceled yeah. by the mid by the early 70s. And then, it, yeah, he probably it still probably would have been fine. Uh, I thought, I thought like it probably turned out, turned Air, out okay. Airplane didn't come out until 1980. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we had plenty, okay. there was plenty of time for Leslie Nielsen to be in a hit show and also go on to star an Airplane. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's not like his career was going badly when Airplane mm. came along. It's just he was, career was in a very particular place. He's and, never had a bad part of his career. Leslie Nielsen well, worked had, for like 50 years. I would say, I don't know about bad part of his career. He definitely had a better part of his career when he was a comedy titan in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. yeah. But uh, before that, he big, was just a hardworking, successful then, actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think it all would have turned out okay. Mm. So sometimes I've said that stuff wasn't canceled too soon because I feel the timeline would break. Uh-huh. Uh, but here I think it would be fine. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, w- I would have liked to have seen this. I think it was canceled too soon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think this is a really solid premise. I think this needs like a bigger ensemble. You think? Uh, you think you need more like more regular characters? Well, I, I guess because you have Leslie of... Nielsen, the cop. You have Nicola, uh, his his butler. Yeah, you need I... more than that. Who need? Who else do you need? I don't. Maybe it's hard to say. I feel like there's there's an element missing here. I okay. feel like there needs to be somebody, somebody that Leslie Nielsen can talk to, like a ward, a ward, a, f- a friend, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know. A, a co-investigator. Uh, what, what if we just uh, have Nicola doing more stuff? That'd be yeah, cool. have Nicola be like a co-lead of the show. That yeah. would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, just so that we can get a little bit more about who the character is beyond his investigation. He needs a he, need, he, he needs a Watson. He needs a Watson exactly. Yeah, he, he needs, needs yeah. some somebody he can explain stuff to. And also, something that we can totally add after the pilot. Mm. We can just totally just throw that in episode two. 
yeah. he picks up a a, a lodger and uh, or mm. or an old family friend who has to live with him for a while yeah. or a so, nephew whose parents die like a, either like a like a, a young excited yeah. student and and she wants yeah. to know all about the occult and so yeah. she follows along or or somebody who like an M.M. at Walsh type. Somebody's like an old grouch who's going to follow him around. Is like, no, I don't want to know about that. Like oh, we, we've fine. assigned you a police investigator who will always be your partner yeah, to so keep sure everything you're doing is above board. Any, any kind of, kind yeah. of person that like he can have a, a regular relationship with. Mm-hmm. That's what this pilot is really missing. Like, I think has, that's fair, yeah. He has a best friend, and we kind of establish what he does. But, but his best friend dies, so his best friend. Else, and yeah. if you're going to keep on having this kind of a show, I think he needs some kind of confidant. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that's missing. No, I think you're, I think it's right, but again, I don't think that's something I, that can't be fixed. I but I like the be. character. I love the tone of this. I think yeah. it's actually like good and scary. It looks like they're trying to go yeah. for a legit horror show. It feels a little ahead of its time. I think you're mm-hmm. right to bring up Kolchak. I feel like if this had been successful, uh-huh. Kolchak might not have been the series everyone points to as here's where this kind of started. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I like the show a lot. Uh, again, it's hard to track down, but if you look, you can find it. Uh, and it's definitely worth doing it. So that's uh, Dark Intruder, a.k.a. The Black Cloak. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be back next week uh, with a... Hey! Did you know that in 1995, <laughs> they tried to make a TV series out of The Omen starring Brett Cullen, a.k.a. Batman's dad from Joker? And did you know uh, that it was about a demon who's possessing people and trying to release a biological weapon at a St. Patrick's Day parade. You know, like in that movie, The Omen. <laughs> the Omen, which is actually about the Antichrist. Yeah. And not a demon possessing people. Yeah. That's the exorcist. Yeah, and it was directed by Jack Shoulder, who directed The Ooh. Hidden, which is also about a demon possessing a bunch of people, except it's mm. a space alien. Uh, and Jack Shoulder also did Freddy 2. Fre- the uh, very, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. The long underrated, but now I think now, properly now rated. Rescued, yeah. yeah, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, uh, not Freddy's Revenge. Yeah, it's Freddy Re- Freddy's Revenge. Yeah. Freddy's Revenge, yeah. Which um, is also a possession story. So he had a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah. That's coming up next time on Scary Tober here at Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, this trip down Dark Intruder Lane. Yeah, I recommend you watch it if you can find it. If you can find it, it's definitely it's a little worth bit tough it, to find, repeat, but it's out but, there. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, we'll be back next time with the Omen. We hope you enjoy. Um, and um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. If you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode or want to talk about anything else or want to ask us questions about any topic, you can email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We also have a snail mail address. Whitney, what is that? Uh, you can write us an actual physical letter. Uh, send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep. And a very big shout out to all of our patrons, without whom this show and all of our other shows would not exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't joined up yet, our Patreon is patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network we have a variety of tiers including a one dollar a month tier and all tiers you get to vote for future episodes of our various shows uh, some of them are weekly some of them are monthly uh and uh, we also have exclusive shows that we only have available on patreon like holy batman where we're reviewing every single episode of the 1960s batman starring mm-hmm. adam west uh all our yesterdays we're reviewing every single episode of star trek we're already over 100 episodes into that. So if you sign up now, you have a giant back catalog just to sift through at your leisure. We just started, we're about halfway through season one of Next Generation right now. Mm-hmm. So 
It's a good place to be. Uh, we have shows where we review the Oscars, the uh, Best Picture nominees. Every Best Picture nominee in the history of the Oscars. We do commentary tracks. We have an online hangout. We still schedule that. Probably do it the last week of October. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff over there. So thank you to all of our patrons. We couldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be here without you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it means the world to us that you're here. So thank you for that. Uh, so I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that's it. Great. All right. Uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Wahahaha. Scary Tober stuff.